We are in the Gemara in Yavam Aslam Ches Amabez, towards the bottom, and on 38b4 in the Art Scroll Gemara. Uh, the Gemara has been discussing the two different cases in the Mishnah, but there seems to be a contradiction in the Mishnah. Uh, the Mishnah said that when it comes to the Nichsei Melug, when it comes to property, for example, let's say she inherits, the wife inherits property, uh, so then that property she, she completely owns, it's her, it's her property, However, the husband, in a regular marriage, the husband has the rights to use the property. But what happens in a case where uh, her husband passes away, and now she is about to do yibam or chalitza, does the yavam, does the brother-in-law have rights uh, to the property, either when she's alive or when she passes away? So there seems to be a contradiction in the Mishnah, at least within the position of Beishamai. There seems to be a contradiction. The first case of the Mishnah is when she's alive. When we say she's alive, in the case where she's alive... Uh, she has complete ownership. The Yavam, the brother-in-law, before they do Yivam or Chalitza, gets nothing, absolutely nothing. And the uh, wife of the deceased husband, she is allowed to sell it, she is allowed to use it, it's completely hers. However, once she passes away, so the position of Beishamai is that now who gets this? Who is Yorishit? Who inherits this property? So Beishamai says it's split. It's split between the Yavam, between the brother-in-law and and the wife's family and her family. Uh, and it's split. And that seems to be a contradiction because when she's alive, we said that it's uh, it's completely hers. So why is it that once she passes away that uh, it's not completely hers uh, and that we have to split it? So the Gemara so far gave two answers. And those two answers we discussed in last week's recording. And now the Gemara is going to give two other answers. So Abayi says as follows. Answer number three. Abai Amar, Abai says, The first case, the case where we say that it's completely hers, it depends. And when did she inherit the property? When did she receive the property? If she received the property after her husband passed away, her first husband passed away, while she is waiting to do Yibam or Chalitza, so then it's completely hers. It's completely hers, and that's the first case. The second case is where she inherited the property while she was still married. It was while she was still married, and then her husband passes away. Now the question is, with regards to that property, uh, does the Yavam, does the brother-in-law have rights to use that property? Beishamai says that uh, we split if, if the wife were to pass away also before Yivam or Chalitza, so then we would split it, uh, meaning that the Yavam does have rights to the property if she would be alive. So then he would have rights uh, to the property even though she owns it. Uh, the Yavim, the brother-in-law, would have rights because the difference is, the difference is not the simple difference of the Mishnah, which is that the first case is where she's alive, the second case is where she already passed away. No. The difference is, when did she inherit this land? Did she inherit this land uh, after her first husband passed away while she's waiting to do Yibam or Chalitza? Or do we say that she, in which case it's completely hers, or if she inherited this land while she was first married to her first husband and then her husband passes away, so then we say that her her brother-in-law, the Yavam, the potential Yavam, does have rights uh, to this land. So the Gemara explains as follows, because of Abaye, that Yado Kiyada, Abaye is of the opinion as follows. When she has Nichsei Melug, this property that she owns, but her husband is allowed to use it in a regular marriage, so then there is a dispute, says Abaye, between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, uh, how do we view the rights? Who owns it more? Who owns it? Is it an equal ownership? How do we exactly relate to this nechsei to this property that the husband has rights to? Uh, 
And Beis Hillel, the house of Hillel is of the opinion uh, that it is equal, uh, that it's uh, it's the same. The husband and wife have have an equal type of a, of an ownership to this property, equal rights to this property. But Beis Shammai is of the opinion that no, that in a regular marriage, he actually has more. He has more of a connection to the property, uh, which is why Beis Shammai will say that in that case of a regular marriage, she has more. But let's say her husband were to pass away, and now we have the case of Yavam, where, as we've been explaining until now, it's a weaker form. It's not they didn't do Yavam yet, so it's not a complete marriage. So then, in that case, Beishamai will be of the opinion that it goes down a notch. Once it goes down a notch, so now they split it. It is viewed as equal. Beishel will say that no, it's not split. Uh, but Beishamai will say uh, that uh, that we do split it. Um, and that's why there's a difference between the first case and the second case. The first case is where she inherits it after her husband passes away, outside the context of marriage. So it's completely hers. But once she inherits it while she's married, and her husband uh, now has rights to it, and once he passes away, so then it's uh, equally owned by both the Yavam and and the wife. So Amalei Rava, Rava says, no, Rava argues on this position of Abaye, and Rava says, Rava argues and says that no, both Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, they both agree that in a regular marriage, uh, the husband's connection to the land is stronger than her connection to the land. There is no difference between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel in this case. If there's no difference between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel in this case, so then there cannot be a difference in the second case where... She inherits the land while she's married. Her husband passes away. And so then the Mishnah said that there's a difference between Beisham and Beisham. But there cannot be a difference between Beisham and Beisham uh, if this is the issue uh, because they have, both Beisham and Beisham agree that his hand is stronger than her, than his connection to the land is stronger than hers uh, when she inherits it while she's married. Once her husband passes away, so then uh, at least Beisham and Beisham should agree. But they don't agree in the Mishnah. So that's Rava's reje- uh, rejection of Abaye. So Rava says, rather, what is the difference between the first case and the second case? Both cases are cases where the Nechassim, where she inherits after her husband passes away. But what's the difference? The difference between the first case and the second case is a very simple difference. The first case is where they did not do Maimer. Maimer, as we mentioned in the past, is the rabbinic form of an engagement for Yibam. Yibam does not require a halachic engagement on a biblical level, but on a rabbinic level, we require some form of, of, a, of a rabbinic engagement referred to as Mimer. So in the first case where we say it's completely hers, that's when she did not yet do Mimer. But when she did Mimer, that's the second case, so then we split it. And that's the opinion of Beishamai. And this fits exactly with Beishamai, because of a Rava, Mimer le Beishamai, Vadai Arusa Besavek Nesua. Because Beishamai is of the opinion that once you do Maimur, so then you're for sure viewed as though you are halachically engaged. On a rabbinic level, as though you are halachically engaged. Um, and once uh, and uh, you are halachically engaged, however, it is viewed as Suffolk Nesua. And it's a questionable whether or not you're viewed as married. Since it's questionable whether or not you're viewed as married, so therefore... We divide the property. We divide the property between the the Yavam, the brother-in-law, and the wife's family because we're not really sure whether or not they're married. Uh, and so therefore, we would divide it. That is the position of Beishamai. 
Uh, and basically, Rava is saying now that the difference between the first case and the second case is a difference about whether or not you did mimer. If you did mimer, so then uh, we will split it. If you did not do mimer, so then it's completely hers. That is the position of uh, of Rava. So in my Mishmeder Rabbi Lazar Kavasid Rava, in my Mishmeder Rabbi Yosef Rifnina Kavasid Abaye, Rabbi Lazar says that we follow Rava, and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina says we follow Abaye. Again, Abaye's distinction between the first and second case is whether or not the property that she inherited happened after the death of her first husband or while she was still married. So the Gemara just has a few uh, small points with regard to this this uh, statement that we Rabbi Lazar follows Rava, and Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Chanina follows Abaye. Is it really true that Rabbi Lazar said this? Um, Rabbi Lazar says, without getting into the specific details, Rabbi Lazar says that when Beishamai says you do Maimar and that it works, and it works to be viewed as a halachic engagement, that's only with regards to one specific area of law, but it's not with regards to everything. And, and it wouldn't. And at, at this stage of the question, it shouldn't impact Yerusha. Inheritance. Who, inher- who inherits from her? And uh, and the nechsei melug and this property. So the Gemara gives two answers. One answer is ipach. Okay, fine. So switch Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yosef Really, Rabbi Lazar follows Abaye, and Rabbi Yosef follows Rava. Either you can flip uh, what we just said, or if you buy same melug tipech, or don't flip it. Amalach Rabbi Lazar ki amri lana delosagi labigadel debayin amechalita lachla benachasim delokani miamru. The alternative, alternatively, we could say that according to Rabbi Lazar. Really, he meant to say as follows, that when he said that Maimur didn't work completely for Beishamai, he meant that we would still require Chalitza. We still have to do Chalitza, and the giving of a get does not work, uh, does not work alone. We would also need a Chalitza. That's in a case of Maimur, but, but he agrees. Rabbi Lezer agrees to Rava that we would divide the property of the Nechsei Melug. Uh, once Maimur is done, and we would divide it between the Yavam, between the brother-in-law and her family. Rapapa now comes along. One last line with regards to this topic, and then we will uh, begin a new topic. Rapapa, do you get my season? The Mishnah seems to follow Abaye. The Mishnah he says seems to follow Abaye. Even though there's a strong question on Abaye, there's a strong question on these opinions, because the distinction between the first and second case seems to be, at least from the Mishnah, is whether or not she's alive. The first case is where she's alive, the second case is where she's no longer alive, and who inherits that property. That seems to be the distinction. But the distinction is not like what Abai and Rava are saying. Abai said that the, the distinction is whether or not they, she received the property uh, before her husband passed away while she was married or after her husband passed away before she did Yibam. That's what Abai says. And so even though the distinction of the Mishnah seems to be about whether or not she's alive, okay, that's a question. But there's another proof in the Mishnah to follow Abai. What's the proof? Because the Mishnah refers to this property as property which enters and leaves with her. What does it mean? My nechlasim ayotzim. What does it mean? It enters and leaves with her. Lav nechlasim l'rishis abal v'yotzim l'rishis abal l'rishis ha'av. So it must be. What does it mean? It comes uh, and and enter. It, it comes and leaves uh, with her. So doesn't that mean that it comes into her husband's domain and then leaves from her husband's domain, i.e., when her husband passes away? And then it enters into uh, her own domain, or her really goes to her, her family if she were to pass away. Uh, and it means it goes into her, her husband and leaves once her husband passes away. That implies exactly like Abaye. Abaye says that the second case is where she inherits it while she is still married to her first husband. 
That is exactly the phrase of Nechnasan V'yotsan It goes in and comes out with her. So that is a proof that uh, that's what that's the case that the Mishnah is referring to. It goes in, meaning her husband then has access to it, has rights to it. Then he passes away and it leaves him and it goes to her. He says, um, Even though there is this problem that the, the the distinction between the first and second case seems to be different than what Abaye said. It seems to be a distinction between whether or not she's alive. But okay, that's a question. That's a question, but in the end of the day, there is a proof to Abaye. In the end of the day, this concludes this topic, but in the end of the day, we have two more answers here. Abaye says that if she inherited it after her husband passed away, so then it's completely hers. If it's from the first marriage and she's now, uh, her husband passes away and now she's about to do Yibam or Chalitza, so then the Yavam, the brother-in-law, does have rights to it and they would have to split it. That's the opinion of Abaye. Rava has a different distinction. Rava says that the first case is where it's completely hers is before. They, they didn't do Maimer, this rabbinic form of engagement. And according to Beishamai, if you did do Maimer, so then it actually would uh, it would work with regards to these laws of the Yavam at least splitting it with her family if she were to pass away. Okay, new topic for the next couple of minutes. And I hope to get up to a new Mishnah so that we can begin with a new Mishnah in the next recording. The Mishnah said that if they do Yibam, they are completely married. They're completely married. What does it mean that they're completely married? Let me help us up. So, two laws. One law is that she no longer needs chalitza. If they want to separate, they need a get, a regular divorce document. They do not need chalitza. Chalitza is only in the context of yibum. But in this case, once they get married, they just need a divorce document. They no longer, no longer need chalitza. Point number two is that if they got divorced, so then they are allowed to remarry. It would be permissible for them to remarry. Essentially, we do not say that once they get divorced, the brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship is the dominant factor and it's, there's a prohibition for them to remarry. No. Once they're married, their relationship is defined as a marriage, not as a brother-in-law and sister-in-law, but as a, as a regular marriage. And if they were to get divorced, they could, in fact, remarry. So the Gemara discusses both points. Megar beget pshita. Isn't it obvious that they have to have a divorce document? The Gemara says, One might have thought that since the verse says that once they get married, once they do yibam, he used the language of Yimma that they still have that Yibam type of relationship. Maybe if they want to separate, they require Chalitza. No, the, this is what the Mishnah is teaching us. We do not require Chalitza. It's a regular marriage. They need a regular divorce document. Point number two, Machzira, they can return to each other after they get divorced. Pshita, isn't that also obvious, says the Gemara? No, Saga Mitzvah Avda. One might have thought that, no, once they get divorced, they cannot remarry. Why? Because now it's like a brother-in-law. You're not allowed to marry your brother-in-law. It's no longer the context of Yibam. Comes the Mishnah to teach us, and the Gemara says it's coming from the verse. It says, that it's his wife. It's his wife for everything. And it's the the dominant, the way we define this relationship is not about a brother-in-law and sister-in-law anymore. They are now married. Now that they're married, if they were to get divorced... They could remarry, and we don't view this as a prohibition between a brother-in-law and a sister-in-law. One last line in the Gemara, and we'll conclude with this, and then uh, and then we'll pick up with a new Mishnah. The Gemara says, Essentially as follows. 
in general, the Ksuba. The Ksuba is the document that we continue to write uh, till this day at a wedding uh, where the husband guarantees and promises to his wife that if he were to pass away, if they get divorced, so then he would uh, he would pay her to make sure that uh, that she has uh, she has money and is being supported after the divorce or after the marriage ends. Um, and the law is is that when there is a ksuba, the husband is actually uh, says that there's all of my property, everything that I own really can be used to pay for the ksuba. It can be used to pay for this for this uh, value, whatever I own. Uh, you can use it uh, to collect from others. You have you have a claim on whatever I own. Even if I were to sell it to others, you have a claim on that um, and uh, on that property. Um, and you could you could claim whatever property I have. And so the Mishnah says that when she does yibum, there's still some sort of connection to the original husband. When they do yibum, the the brother-in-law inherits from all the property from her from the brother-in-law that passed away. Meaning the brother-in-law inherits the property of the deceased brother um, uh, so he inherits the property the ksuba remains the same he still has to now that he did yibam he still has to uh, pay her the ksuba money if they were to get divorced or if he were to pass away however uh, what could she collect from which property could she collect from the Misha says she could only collect the property from her first husband whatever her first husband whatever sorry the yavam inherited from her first husband so then that is what she could collect from but not the actual property that the Yavim always owned, that the brother that the brother-in-law always owned. My time, what's the reason for this? In a very important line, in the Gemara, the whole concept of Yibam, and this is a very important line, the whole concept of Yibam is that they are married, they become husband and wife through Yibam from heaven. This is uh, a marriage from heaven that Hashem decided that in this situation they should get married. This is not by their own choice and Hashem decided that they should get married now that they should get married there's still some sort of connection to the original marriage such that uh, only the property that the Yavam, the brother-in-law inherited from his brother the deceased brother, only that property could be used towards the payment of the Ksuba but the Gemara now qualifies and it says however if the first if the hus- first husband, if the deceased husband doesn't have uh, any property, uh, so then we say that no. In that case, we enacted that uh, she should be able to collect from the Yavam's property, from the brother-in-law's property, if the first husband doesn't have anything. Why? So that it's not easy to divorce. The whole point of it is so that uh, we want to make sure that uh, they're married unless they really, really it's a difficult situation and therefore they have to get divorced. But we don't want to make it seem like it's so easy to get married and to get divorced and they'll come back together. Uh, we want to make it that it's uh, slightly difficult and that they realize that there's a certain responsibility to support your wife after you get divorced. And so therefore we say that, you know what, if the first husband doesn't have any property, don't mean doesn't mean that you could get divorced uh, and you don't have to support her. No, now you have to support her through your own, uh, through your own property. Um, and so that is why we say that if the husband doesn't have property, so then the Yavam would have to support her through his own property. Okay, this concludes the Gemara, and we will continue uh, on the uh, with the next Mishnah.